0: You're listening to Around the Gorge, presented by the Big Red Sports Network, your weekly destination for Big Red Sports. This week's episode of Around the Gorge is brought to you by Big Red Fueling. Managed by sports dietitian Alyssa Harrington, Big Red Fueling is open five days a week from 2.30 to 4.45 at Bartels Hall, offering both in- and out-of-season athletes snacks to fuel their performance and recovery. On-site staff provide valuable knowledge to inform athletes of optimal snack choices based on exercise and personal goals. Follow Big Red Fueling on Instagram at Big Red Fueling for infographics about all things sports nutrition, including college-friendly recipes, post and pre-workout suggestions, supplement safety, and much more. And welcome back to Around the Gorge presented by the Big Red Sports Network. I'm your host, Anthony, joined by Trisha. This week, we will be talking about fencing. If you are interested in listening to another team's episode— you can find all of our past episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts by following Around the Gorge. Be sure to check out our Instagram app, CornellBRSN, for sneak peeks of next week's episode so you don't miss out on future content.
1: Let's take a brief look at the team now. The head coach is Ariana Klinkov, who has previously coached at Tufts and Wellesley. She's been at Cornell since 2019, and as a competitor, she's had a pretty impressive career. Klinga was a member of the 1995 U.S. National Champion Women's Sabers Team, the 1998 U.S. National Silver Medal Women's Saber Team, and the 2003 U.S. National Silver Medal Women's Saber Team. She's also mentored multiple NCAA champions at her fencing club, Priest Differ Fencing. She was also the first female referee to officiate a World Championship gold medal match in the Saber and the first female to weapon referee in the
0: world. Now let's take a look at some of the key players on the team. One of the captains, Madeline Nishimura, is a senior who is in the foil division and is 11-5 on the season up to this point with two easy wins and placed 16th at the Northeast Regionals last season. Amit Handari-Levy, also a captain and a senior in the Sabre division, placed 20th at last season's Northwest Regional. Freshman Keki Kekar, won a silver medal at the 2023 National Division I Open and earned a spot on the cadet U.S. national team. She has already competed for them in Israel, where she picked up a fifth-place finish and has also traveled to Qatar to compete. And a fun fact, her twin sister Malika also fences for Cornell. Erika Chin earned a pair of top 16 finishes in Sabre, grabbing 9th at Juniors and 15th at Division I's. Ray Hosono found herself in 27th in Division I foil, with teammate Madeline Nishimura in 37th. Sarah Laxton took 56th in Junior Sabre, Malika Kekar was 57th, and Heidi Zhu took 63rd in Junior Epe.
1: Now, let's take a quick look at the past week for the Cornell Fencing Team. The Cornell Fencing Team is currently wrapping up the 2023 Ivy League Round Robins, which was hosted right here in Ithaca at Barton Hall on Feb 11th and 12th. The Big Red entered the round robins as the sixth seed in a 17 field after finishing sixth out of seven in last year's tournament. So overall, in the season, they have five wins over ranked opponents coming into this tournament, including a win against number one Notre Dame last weekend, where they had a successful 8 2 overall record at the Northwestern Duels. This weekend, Cornell tested itself against number two Princeton, number three Columbia, number four Harvard, and number eight Yale. Day one of the tournament brought three losses against number three ranked Columbia, number two ranked Princeton, and number four ranked Harvard.
0: And then, looking at day two of the tournament on Sunday, they lost a close one against Brown by a score of 14 to 13, but they picked up a win against the number eight CDL by a score of 19 to eight, bringing their overall record on the year to 26 and nine. And some player highlights from the tournament: we have. Rei Hosono in the foil division who ended 10-7 and seven, and then an 8th overall in the tournament in foil. And then in Sabre we have Keki Kekar, who ended 12-5 and five, and second in Epe for the whole tournament and puts herself in line for all IV honors.
1: Now we welcome Madeline Nishimura and Amid Handari-Levy to the show, two of the senior members of the fencing team and two captains. So how are you guys doing?
2: Um, I'm good, hi. Uh, just came back from grocery shopping, so I'm also good. <laughs>
0: And yeah, just to kind of start off, how did you guys first become interested in fencing?
2: Um, yeah, I guess I can go first. Um, we can just like piggyback. Uh, I actually, I used to be a gymnast when I was younger um, and I got really injured. I was very short too. I'm, I'm, I'm quite tall now, um, but I uh, found fencing as like a, there was like a Groupon for it and at this like recreational club when I was, I think, 11 um, and I like had a sprained elbow at the time. So it was like a one-headed sport that I could try. And I actually really liked it. Um, and it became quite a success for me. So silly story, but
3: yeah. Um, for me, it was my sister that was originally interested because when she was younger, she wanted to be a knight. And so my mom had her try fencing and then we all kind of got into it. And she ended up stopping fencing eventually, but I continued.
1: So Madeline, you mentioned that you used to be a gymnast before you started fencing. Is there yeah. any way like the gymnastics kind of played into fencing or helped with it like when you started?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think um, gymnastics is like a naturally very athletically inclined sport. So like you're very physically strong. Um, and so I was like left-handed and very jacked at 11 years old, which was like really good when um for my first couple of years of fencing. Um, so like I was very fortunate that helped me get a kind of boost in the sport earlier on. Like I think my first um, world cup, I was like 13 or 14 just cause I was like tiny, uh, which is pretty common. Like there's a, there's a good number of fencers in the Ivy league who like started out world cups at a very young age. So it's not like unheard of, but I think it did help definitely.
0: And kind of for those who are listening that aren't necessarily familiar with fencing, can you guys go more into depth into the differences between foil, Epe and Sabre and Like when you were starting out with fencing, how did you determine which one you liked more?
3: Um, I guess I can kind of explain. So they each have different rules. So the target is different, like where you can hit and how you can hit. So for epi, you can hit on the entire body, but with only the point for foil, you can hit only the chest area and also with point. And then for saber, You can hit with the point or the edge of the blade and it's hips up, but then there's also different rule differences. Um, Saber usually is pretty fast, which is the one that I do. And I actually started with foil because it was the only one available where I was. But eventually when I had the option, I chose to do Saber just because I think I had a little bit too much energy. So it was a better fit for me
2: yeah no I think that sums it up pretty nicely um I I, again I think foil is definitely the most common in terms of like if you want to start out as a young kid it's the most prevalent like in my area there were really only foil clubs so it made it really easy to just choose that option um but I know like now that Sabre and Epe are a lot more common um you're finding clubs pop up more and more around the U.S.
1: Are there any qualities that are like more important for one type than the other while playing the game um Yeah, I think,
2: like, I I would definitely say, depending on how you, like, think about things, like, if you can make a really good, maybe this, maybe Amit can answer this better, but I think, like, you have to be very decisive to do Sabre, because you have a, like, you really have to know when you're on guard what you're going to do, whereas foil and epee, you can kind of, like, take the time to kind of select out your moments of opportunity. So I think that decisive aspect is huge. But there's the range of, like, physical like if you if you saw the, this weekend, um, like what a fencer looks like is not very homogenous at all. Like there is like two feet of height difference and like people can either be like very thin and or not even athletic. You don't really even have to be athletic to be good at fencing. So it's like, it's a, definitely a free for all. It's <laughs> um, when you like look at even top fencers, like even the Olympians range in like height and athleticism and everything um, between weapons and like across the different weapons too.
0: And I'm kind of talking more about the different types of fencing. How different are sort of like the practice routines and the training regimens for each of the three weapons?
3: Um, I feel like footwork generally we can do together. Which footwork you do might change a little bit between, but we can do like footwork and more of up and um, we do our like weightlifting together. But obviously like we have bouting and drills will be very different. And so... For that, we usually split up and do our own thing.
2: Yeah, um, just going off of that, the technique is super different um, for the handwork, at least between weapons, like even for foil and versus um, saber, you hold the weapon when you start completely different, like saber, it's kind of like this foil, it's like point on. Um, So just even like the fundamental, even like the parries, which is like how you defend are completely different between saber, foil and epe, or foil and epe are more similar, Um, but, as a result, like all of the drills and the kind of bouting we do, or private lessons are completely different.
0: And considering that like fencing is a pretty complex sport for those who aren't necessarily familiar with it and it has such a long history. Are there any weird or strange rules that are found in the sport?
2: I would say all the rules are weird. Um, So for, the, for what Amit and I do, we have two different versions of something called right of way. And they are completely different, even though they're called the same thing. Um, And essentially, for both foil and saber, the possibility of two lights going off, so both people are scoring, um, right-of-way essentially dictates who gets the point in that situation. Um, And it's super complicated and not, like, people go to school for this, so it's not exactly worth explaining. Um, But essentially, it's just, like, who's on offense, who's on defense, and, like, how that relates. You can have, like, a counterattack, which is where you, like, cut in, Um, and try to like get hit them before they hit you um so I think like those the, the kind of basis of fencing is already complicated enough and then like the small nitpicky rules of like if you are off of where we fence which is a strip you have like one possible like like hit or like stab to try to like get the final touch even if you're off the strip but like Sometimes it takes like two and that's where like the rules get really complicated. Like, the rules are so complicated. Um, so you kind of just like learn that as a young age and like learn the rules by failing and getting yellow cards and being, you know getting yelled at by your coach. Um, so it just takes time, but it makes it more interesting.
3: Uh, I feel like I still like I'll watch other weapons and I won't understand a lot of the calls. And to make it more complicated a lot of referees will also call things differently. Like some will focus more on whose hand was going out first while some are looking only at like whose legs are moving faster. So you kind of have to learn bout by bout also like what exactly they're calling. So it's very hard to learn the rules. Nobody really knows everything.
2: Yeah, definitely. The joke is like when we go watch F.A. or Sabre, for my but like foil group, we always like have to wait until we see the final hand of the referee before we cheer because we have no clue like t- I most of the time I'm like wrong too, so I just shut up and sit in silence before I make my my like screaming victory sounds for my teammates, but
1: so I actually got a chance to watch a few matches this weekend, and, like you said, the rules are so complicated. I lost track of what was going on, and was just following like the cardinal fences and cheering when they were fencing, but like. Like you said, cheering is, I I saw cheering everywhere in the game. It was so prevalent. Like even the players who are in the match were cheering after every point. So could you tell us a bit more about that and how that kind of plays into the mental aspect of the game?
2: Yeah. I, so you probably heard a lot of screaming going on too. Um, people be screaming like every single touch, like, ah, like it's like feral, a beat gets super feral. We love watching a beat fence. Like, I love it. It's my favorite thing. Um, so lots of sound. And I think it's just, I think because it's such a mental game, like the, the feeling of relief and like the kind of like therapeutic aspect of just like getting it out is really nice. Um, but I do think the cheering is definitely, You went to Ivy League championships, which is like the most intense version of fencing you could really see on a collegiate level. Um, And I think also our team tends to be like really rowdy because it helps us like stay amped up and like it kind of can get in like your opponent's heads and like they see all these people and it really like builds that momentum. Um, Because like momentum and timing in in a fencing bout is really crucial. So like when you are getting a lot of points, you can like keep building points because of that kind of flow. It's just kind of like a conversation, right? Like when you're really getting into it, it just feels really natural. Um, So same thing with fencing. It really just like, it builds and then you're like, ah, it's, it's it's really fun. It, It can be kind of crazy to watch, but it's, it's a unique feeling I've never experienced before.
3: Yeah. And I know for me, like the screaming tends to help like build the intensity also, because when I'm not, I might not be like completely in it and it helps you like get into like the competitive mindset. Like this is an important match like I'm getting into it um, and especially in Sabre which the referee tends to be very I don't know based on the ref you kind of want to show the ref also like you're confident like you know that was your point because sometimes it does affect them
2: yeah it can definitely sway kind of a final decision when those those right-of-way rules which I mentioned get really blurry after a certain point where you're like back and forth back and forth um especially with Sabre because it is so much faster too so like that screaming can really like sway a a referee to like almost to the point of like you winning or losing based off of that which is crazy (laughs) and
0: kind of going based off that Amit how much do you think a a player's mentality and like the intensity that the team brings to the matches affect the actual performance
3: I think that really depends on the fencer. I know for me, it really helps me, and I know some other fencers also. Um, Ray, who's another fencer, is definitely helped a lot by that. I don't know about you, Maddie, but some fencers will not want any cheering there. It bothers them, it distracts them. So it's very dependent on who it is that's fencing. And you kind of have to know your teammates and know if they want people there, if they want cheering and talk about this beforehand?
2: Yeah, it's something we like do at practice every year. Um, In the beginning, we talk about like cheering preferences and like what people wanna hear and not hear. Um, And I think that's just a sign of a really like well-knit team, but I think it's surprisingly vital for something like fencing, especially on a collegiate level.
1: So pivoting a bit, like you mentioned that this is what goes on at the collegiate level. So compared to that, Madeline, how does representing the U.S. on the cadet national team compare to like fencing for Cornell?
2: Yeah, I think so. We have another um, very prestigious sensor currently on the EPE squad who's been kind of going through this transition that I remember my freshman year. But I think it's just so different going from such an individual sport where it's like all the stress is on you Um on a like even at a national level like on any personal level before college you fence in a kind of a round robin pool format first and then you fence in direct elimination so when you lose you're getting just like knocked out period there's no redemption there's no like fun try again later type of thing it's like you're flying across the world or across the U.S. and like if you lose that's it like it's kind of um, it's a different type of pressure um so I think you know, people get a lot more crazy and like kind of internalized it, which makes sense because it's an individual sport. Whereas like on a collegiate level, I think it's hard to not take it so personally, whether or not we win or lose, because ultimately it's a combined effort, which I think for me was like so hard. I would internalize. it, be like, oh, we're the reason, like I, this last bout that I fenced is a reason we lost when like in reality, it's like, that's not at all the case. You know, it's like, it's not really all about you, which I think is a really good maturity thing for a lot of young adults, like, to to transition into, like, collegiate fencing and be like, oh, wow, like, no matter how well I perform, like, the outcome is partially me, but not only me, so. Uh,
0: and, I mean, I know you talked earlier about how one of your sisters was interested in fencing, and that's kind of how you got your start, but I also understand that your other sister, Leor, fences at the collegiate level at Johns Hopkins, So how was it kind of growing up in a family where fencing played a pretty large role and a family where fencing still plays a very large role?
3: Um, Well, my sister graduated, so she's no longer at Johns Hopkins. But um, it was, I don't know, very interesting. But our parents put us in like three different weapons because I know some siblings will fence each other. And then there's definitely some competition there. And we definitely did not want that. But it was nice, it was a very fencing family, which is good, because everybody kind of understood the rules, minus maybe my dad, who still doesn't completely understand it. But I think it's good, it was never really competitive between us, but we all kind of understood what the world the fencing was. We knew the same general people from the community.
1: That's interesting. I feel like growing up with my brother, for example, I don't know how we'd be able to tackle that situation. Um, Madeline, like outside this team and outside of sports, um, I understand that you're a student marketer at Red Bull. So could you tell us a bit more
2: about that? Um, yeah, I see a nice LinkedIn stock was in order. Um, so I, um, I, I worked for Red Bull for two years. Um, I love my job. It is so unrelated to fencing. Like there is like a fencing Red Bull athlete. Um, he's cool, you know, but we have no interaction whatsoever. Um, so essentially, I, um, I I interviewed for the job in the summer of my sophomore year and didn't really know what I was getting into. But essentially, I'm one of the people that like drive around the Red Bull Mini Coopers with like the can on it. Um, and I like hand out free Red Bull. And that's like a very simplified version of it. We have like lots of marketing t- techniques and strategies and like I do work lots and lots of hours um each week in the whole upstate New York area so I'll go to like Buffalo Bills games or just like kind of like party and socializing on campus um so kind of a big range of responsibilities it's also like gaming clubs um Formula One racing like all these other things Red Bull also holds um like student and university level competitions and events so like I'll do those on campus like last year we had this like dance workshop and competition and we're trying to bring in like an art installation so really not expected from like an energy drink company but I do think it's it's a really fun side gig and the fencing team like loves Red Bull so I just like it's a nice kind of connect that we don't have to to pay for that for tournaments and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun job, definitely. And if anybody is watching this or I don't know how that works, um, somebody has to take my job when I graduate. So, you know, email me, (laughs) please. And
0: kind of transitioning a little bit, um, obviously your time at Cornell on the fencing team is starting to come to an end. So what has been your favorite moment on the team that happened kind of outside of the matches and practices? And I, either one of you can start
3: um i think just like hanging out with people outside we've done so much of that i've spent i think the last three years living with people on the team but we used to have like froyo after practice uh, (laughs) after every saber practice at least and study sessions in the library where we kind of got in trouble for being too noisy but um (laughs) just generally hanging out with people I don't have a specific memory but I think just the people.
2: I on the contrary have a very specific memory. Um, So I think this was last year's at Ivy's. Um, We like we was at Brown and we work on the way home and I for, like, we have this old teammate who graduated last year, Esther, and she is just like a bounty of a presence. Like she is just the craziest, most energetic person. Um, and another senior Jillian who graduated last year as well. And they were just, it, it was just so weird. Like we were just like playing music and they were like dancing around and like, she, like it, I you just had to be there. It was just like such an odd experience and like, everybody was just so exhausted. It's like a six hour bus ride home. Um, and she just like had a hoodie on backwards She had like a beats crazy headphones on that have like lights on them. And she was like running up and down and screaming and like a lot of weird dancing was going on between the two of them. I don't know. It was, it was a really um, definitely a, a, a stained in my memory forever that that's like how I think of the fencing team, just like such a random assortment of people that like in a normal situation, like wouldn't really know each other on campus. Like we all are in different majors, different like professional interests, different like social lives outside of the team. Um, so it's it's nice to see us all come together every single day, but also on like these crazy long tournament trips that like we're just trapped in this small bus um, forever. <laughs> but... With the
3: bus ride karaoke. <laughs> yeah,
2: we have karaoke on the bus rides usually. That's kind of our, our favorite little activity.
1: So when you've got a team with like you mentioned so many different personalities from all over campus, how do U.S. captains manage the team, especially through like the longer parts of the season?
2: Oh, I don't even know if we, if we can ever manage such a unique group of girls. Um, there's like twenty eight people on the team right now, for reference. So it's it's a very large group, just the women alone. Um, and I think you know we definitely have had our fair share of like un awkward conversations and talks with different members of the team. Like we do have to be serious as much as we would just like to have fun and not have to deal with the kind of like politics of just like, ultimately a very small number of people can, you know, go to these tournaments. And it's also just like, we spend so much time together. So it's kind of inevitable that like conflict will arise. Um, But overall, I think the team is like surprisingly closer um, than I would have ever expected for how different we are. I think it's almost because we're so different. It's like you kind of just like learn to find what works for each other um, or else you'll just, a lot of the others you have, you're just going to quit. You know, like I think you just kind of have to figure out what works. Um, and I think we've done a pretty good job. I'll be honest.
3: Yeah. I feel like we do. We give a lot of opportunities for people to also like bond together, like outside of practice, just because, um, We want people to really be close and to feel like they can count on each other because I think sometimes it can be a little bit awkward because at the end of the day, not everyone is going to fence all the matches. So you really want to build a supportive environment so it doesn't end up being toxic and competitive between us, which I think we did a good job. I've never felt like it has been a competition between people on the team.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think um, that's definitely the work of us three captains, just trying to mitigate any conflict and also like there are solutions, right? Like if there's younger members of the team that feel like they have been wrongfully not selected for certain tournaments, like then we work with them to like put in more time doing footwork or get more private lessons. Or maybe it's a behavioral thing that we should really be addressing, like, you know, maybe they're not committing their time to the team in the right way. Like whatever it is, it's usually small things and it's very infrequent. Um, but I think like, that's kind of our job to deal with those, those social and interpersonal relationships. Um, whereas the coaches are doing like the bigger logistical issues of like going to all these tournaments and looking at all of our statistics and stuff like that. And kind of
0: going on another note, What has been your favorite moment on the team during a competition or a tournament in your four years here? And Amit, you could answer.
3: Okay, I have a memory, but I feel like I shouldn't um, uh, (laughs) mention it because it maybe involves stealing things from other teams. (laughs) So I'll give a different memory. (laughs) Um, I think probably just Ivies, I think, because we get really loud and really supportive and we're all like standing on chairs and just screaming. So it's definitely a very fun environment.
2: Yeah, I think um, obviously Trisha, you got a little taste of this year's Ivies, but um, our last year and our both of me and my freshman year also were just really crazy, 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 crazy energy levels. Um, And I think, you know, you just have to bring it because every other Ivy is like equally as crazy and like almost ritualistic in what they do. Like we all have special cheers and chants and like Harvard has this drum. We got our own musical instrument this year though. So very excited, you know, to debut that. Um, But I think um, it's that type of intensity and that kind of having fun and being a little silly with it that keeps you sane during those like really long tournaments. Definitely.
1: Yeah, like you mentioned, watching the entire team, like all three like different types, just cheering on each other was amazing to watch. Well, we thank you both for coming on the podcast and we wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thanks for really having
3: us. It. Thank you.
1: Again, we thank Madeline and Amit for joining us on the show. Looking at the rest of the season for the Cornell Fencing team, they've got an NCAA Northeast Regional in Massachusetts on March 12th and the NCAA Championships in North Carolina from March 23rd to 26th. We wish the team the best of luck for their championships coming up.
0: Now, if we take a quick look at the rest of the athletics on campus, the men's hockey team won against Colgate in their game on Friday by a score of 3-2, to and then played Colgate again on Saturday, and that game ended in a 4-4 to tie after it went to shootout. The wrestling team won their match against Binghamton by a score of 28-15, to and the women's hockey team had their senior day this past Saturday against Yale, and they ended up losing by a score of 3-2. to
1: that's all for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed and learned something about women's fencing. Please share with your friends and family and follow the podcast on your platform. These two things help us grow more, grow the podcast and publicize Cornell Athletics the most. Once again, you can follow Big Red Sports Network on Instagram at CornellBRSN or reach us at www.cornellBRSN.com. For Trisha and Anthony from BRSN, we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Around the Gorge. Make sure to follow the podcast and our social media at CornellDRSN, and we'll see you in the next one.